people that are a part of this ministry, people that are a part of our church. And I've had them join me on stage and go through kind of an interview type conversation where they share about the things Christ has done in and through their lives, what Christ is teaching them. They share a little bit about their personal testimony. And we did that this past summer and it was super impactful for our group. And so as we kind of started working towards some different things this semester, and me planning out some different series, some different teachings for us to walk through, we kind of had this space where we were going to be in between series a little bit. And I had a couple of weeks worth to fill, so I began to pray and ask the Lord what exactly He would desire for us to fill those with. Would He rather me just do a couple of just what we call standalone type messages to get us in between those in-between weeks until we could get a new series kicked off, or what would it look like? And He kind of brought back what we did in the summer to mind again. And so Mallory Brewer, who I have with me here tonight, you guys see Mallory a lot, week in and week out, playing keys for us like she was doing tonight. She is super involved. Her and her family is here at our church. She is actually the president of our RSO on campus. And so she does a lot to serve here within our church. But me and Mallory had a talk during the summer. She sat in the same seat and shared some personal things that Christ has done in and through her life with our people and as God kind of led me to this moment, he placed Mallory on my heart again to come back again tonight and share some things with you guys as a whole together. And I know like you guys hear enough of me from week to week. It's one thing for me to stay on stage and say the things that I do, tell you the things that I do, and you guys hear it from me because you're supposed to quote unquote hear those things coming from me. But I think it's super impactful at times when you get to hear it coming from a peer, coming from somebody other than me, coming from somebody who's walking in the same season of life that you are. And so I've got Mallory here with me tonight. So Mallory, let's get to some introductions. Tell the people kind of who you are, what your major is, what you're pursuing, what you seek to do maybe later on in life, in your future, if you've kind of got that figured out. Just let the people have a little glimpse of who Mallory Brewery is as we get started. Okay, so I'm Mallory. Um, uh, I am majoring in secondary education, general science, so I'm wanting to be a science teacher. That's kind of like the end goal for right now. Um, let's see, I'm a sophomore. This is my third semester at UNA, and I've, like you said, I've kind of grown up through this church a little bit. I'm from around this area, but yeah, so that's me. <laughs> so family life, brothers, sisters. Yes. You're I'm, the oldest. I'm the oldest, and I have a younger sister and a younger brother. It's not fair being the oldest. It's different. How many of y'all in here have siblings and you're the oldest? It's not fair, is it? Being the baby's way better. Way better. Oh, you're the oldest. That's why you're saying <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We know all of us that are the older ones know it's true, right? And you ones that are younger, you know it's true too. Y'all don't get treated the same. It's not even close. So, so you, we talked about your family a little bit kind of a moment ago, how you guys are super involved here at our church. So has that always been the case? Has your family always been super involved with church? Have they always had you here, you know, when the doors are open kind of a thing? Like, what has your family involvement with church culture been throughout your lifetime? Yeah, so I grew up in church, not necessarily this church, but um, that is a big part of my testimony. Just my parents were very involved at the church I grew up at when I was younger, um, praise team. I mean, I remember vividly, like, that's just kind of where my love for church and community grew, was like staying after on Wednesday nights when they were practicing for worship on Sunday morning, just kind of like 
always there. It was like my favorite part of the week. Like my friends were there, just kind of like, it was just what we did. And I loved it. That was just kind of like where my love for community came from. Um, and so, which I don't want to get too far. But No, you're good. Okay. So <laughs> church has always been a part of your life. Yeah. And so we say that now to kind of set some things up for you guys later. So let's come back to that here in a few moments. Let's talk about just your life some. So you just finished up your freshman year of college. So I want you to kind of walk through what was that like? What was the change or some of the biggest adjustments that you had to make going from high school through your freshman year? Because I know we've got some freshmen here tonight, and that's a big transition. It's like a completely different season of life. There's a lot of things that change. There's a lot of things that are done differently. So Kind of walk us through, what was that adjustment like for you going from being a high school senior to now being at the bottom of the ladder once again, being a freshman at college? What, was it, what were some of the adjustments that you had to make? I'll just say it was not graceful. It was not a graceful adjustment. Um, freshman year, I mean, which was just a couple semesters ago, but um, a lot different that you don't, I mean, of course, classes, that whole thing is different but also like friendships like friendships in high school are just not the same as friendships in college and like that took a minute to learn like that people are busy people you know don't have the same schedules it's you're running around and also like you might be more involved in high school than you might necessarily be starting out at college and kind of learning things and while I am from the area and kind of am going to a school more local it was still like a lot of newness so um it's, I mean, I hear it from everyone, too. I just feel like freshman year, it's great in many ways, but at the same time, it's like, what are we doing, you know? Um, so that was a, a big time of growth in my life, which will come into play later, too. <laughs> so you chose to stay local. Yeah. So I want to ask you, do you, are you still satisfied with that decision? Are you happy that you chose to do that? Are you still happy that you chose to do that? Or do you wish maybe you would have took the opportunity to go elsewhere? No, I'm, I'm definitely I'm thankful that I did decide to stay local. Um, just the opportunities and just how much it's poured into me more than I really thought it would necessarily. Like I'm, you know, going to the same church I was my senior year of high school, like what more could change? But um, I got the opportunity to get plugged in in our youth ministry too with the seventh and eighth grade girls. And that um, has just been a blessing. I'm doing secondary ed. So that's just kind of like the age range where my heart's at. And so the Lord just blessed that in so many ways. I've learned a lot from them, and um, it's just been nothing but God's grace to allow me to be in a position where I get to interact with those girls and interact with that age group. But um, I'm definitely, uh, at first, it was almost like, I don't know, could have gone either way. Like, I felt like part of me wanted to go away for a little while, but um, the Lord's just faithful, and just looking back, you can just see where his hand is in everything and um, how he truly works things out for the good of those who love him. And so that's just um, a cool thing to see looking back. So I think that gives us a good doorway to move into kind of the spiritual side of things in your life and what Christ has done in your life recently and over the past few years. So I'm just going to ask you straight up, is Jesus Christ your Lord? Yes, then share with us a little bit about how that came to be true in your life. Tell us about when Christ, when you surrendered your life to Christ, what that looked like, what that entails, because I think a lot of people in this room can kind of relate to your story. And I really feel like that's one of the main reasons why God had me bring you back for this moment is because there are some people here tonight that may be wrestling 
with just making that decision personally for themselves. So when Mallory Brewer surrendered her life to Jesus, what did that look like? Okay, so we're going to go a little bit back to six years old. Um, like I said, I didn't grow up at this church specifically. That was kind of like my family moved here when I was about 14 years old, which is a huge part of my testimony. Um, kind of shook my world a little bit with something that was needed, but not necessarily felt good at the time. You know, no one likes that big of a change, especially when that's been your community growing up and that's what you expect your life and the rest of your community to look like per se, and it was just like nothing's turning out the way that I expected it would. And so when I was six years old, um, I just, I remember wanting to be saved. It wasn't necessarily like I was scared of hell or anything like that. It was just, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed Jesus and I wanted to do it. So um, I remember that part. And honestly, I don't remember my baptism at all. I know I was, I've seen pictures um, and I was excited to be baptized, but um, I was baptized after that. And I don't really remember that. Fast forward, um, the head knowledge was there, and I do remember, like, my sixth grade, um, this was back at our past church, my sixth grade Sunday school, like, that was a great time of growth in my life, just, like, in knowledge and just having someone there to, like, pour into me, I, that's a big part in um, just the transition from my old church to this one, and so when I was about 14 years old, maybe 13, it's like eighth or ninth grade, my family um, was under the conviction to move churches, and we ended up here. Um, it's not like anyone invited us. We just kind of showed up and stuck around, and here we are. So um, been coming from a little while, and this was just when, um, like I said, it wasn't something that I wanted to do at first, but um, just over the summer before we really got plugged in and decided to um, call this church home, the Lord just kind of confirmed in my life that this was going to be our church home, which, and his way of doing that was just kind of like, okay, like this isn't necessarily for you. Um, kind of like a needing to change my heart and my mindset. And just looking back, it's like, how am I going to, basically telling, you know, I want you here for a reason. And like looking back to see how like spiritually mature I was, like wasn't there. So looking back, I just you know, think the Lord has a sense of humor, but he knows far more than we do just far before we may ever get the chance to know it. And so in that, when I was 14 years old, just after one Sunday morning, I don't remember what the sermon was on, but I was under just a huge conviction that I've never felt before. Um, and just this whole time, like I had knowledge, I knew the right things, but the value of a personal relationship with Jesus, I just never caught on to that. Um, and it wasn't, necessarily something that I was avoiding. I just did not understand how important it was or how vital it was. Um, and so that day, I just remember like being so sick, I couldn't talk. And I went to my room and I fell on my knees and I was like, Lord, I just need you. And he showed me that. So I do believe that is the moment that I surrendered to a, didn't think I was even gonna, anyway, <laughs> I do believe that I surrendered um, my life to him. And so fast forward, that was 14. If any of you were here on our first like kickoff for the semester, you saw me get baptized. So, and that's changed since the last time I spoke up here in the summer. So um, going up through youth, I slowly was under this 
really thick conviction to be baptized. And it was something I was like, people are going to think I've just been this fake this whole time. Like, um, how am I, how am I supposed to go about that? Like, I, I was just, the devil will say anything to come up with, I came up with every excuse in the book not to do it. Um, and almost to the point, like, not stepping out in that obedience and the thing that he told me to do, it caused doubt in my life. It caused just unsureness over salvation, which I knew I had surrendered my life to Jesus. But, um, and this is where I just want to pause and say, like, I know baptism does not save you, but when you're not walking in obedience with the Lord, like, it's hard to hear from Him. It's hard to walk with Him if you're not surrendering to the call that He's put on your life. And so, I don't know if you want to jump in anywhere, but that was just something I finally was like, okay. Uh, During the summer sessions, actually, I was like, okay, I think... I'm getting baptized soon. I don't, I don't know when, but it's going to happen. I don't know how. Like, I don't know what's going to push me forward to that moment. But um, just more consideration, more talks with um, friends. This is not something that I was open about. I didn't like to talk about it because um, it was uncomfortable necessarily. I didn't think anyone else had that struggle. But then it became the fear, not that I was alone, but that I wasn't alone and that other people... Sorry. After a while, (laughs) I think we really. Sorry. (laughs) Y'all didn't even think I was going to be emotional. I thought that last time too. Anyway, um, I think what really pushed me to do it um, was the fact that other people might be struggling with the same thing. And shortly after that, I just surrendered to do that. Um, the Lord started using just um, that obedience in my life for His glory. And <laughs> sorry. Thank you for either. So, I think it's so important for you guys to hear specifically this part of Mallory's testimony and the reality that. Not every one of y'all here tonight may have been born and raised inside the walls of the church. But a lot of you probably have been. And I don't think it can be overstated the reality that one of the greatest deceptions of the devil is to give people a knowledge of salvation. And what I mean by that is, is that you can know the truth of the gospel. You can know all about Jesus. You can know all about what he came to do and why he came to do it. You can have every book of the Bible in its order memorized. You can know how to get there. You can whip anybody in a Bible drill at any given moment. You can have all of this knowledge. You can have a knowledge of salvation, but not have a true relationship with Jesus. And that is such a great deception because a knowledge, just a simple knowledge of Jesus will gain you an eternity in hell apart from a relationship with Jesus. And so, guys, please hear this tonight that it's not enough to know the answers. 
You've got to know the way. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know the life. And if that's not you, if you're sitting here tonight, I think some of you in this moment are under the same kind of conviction that Mallory was, where maybe for the first time in your life, the Spirit has hit you like a freight train, and you've realized, my whole life I've known, but I've never truly surrendered. I've never truly given my life in faith to Jesus. And if that's you tonight, please do not leave this place without having a conversation with me or my wife, one of my leadership, or with Mallory, so we can get that taken care of tonight. And like she said, she followed through a baptism at the beginning of the semester. And no, baptism is not sufficient under salvation. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. It's following through an obedience with a public declaration of, I have given my life to Jesus. And we do believe it is vitally important. But it is not what will get you into the gates of heaven. Only the blood of Jesus Christ and having been washed by his righteousness will earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. And so we've worked through that. It wasn't easy. It got you out of your comforts. God began to impress upon your heart. This is so important because there are other people that are probably struggling in the same manner. And so the first service of the semester comes around. We do your baptism. Now kind of just explain, like, from that moment to now, like, how has God just given you maybe even a greater freedom in your walk or shown you even newer things since that time, since being obedient in that moment? Yeah. And like I said, this was kind of like a decision, like five years in the making. So just kind of like I briefly mentioned, just not following up in obedience, like I knew I was supposed to do, that caused a lot of doubt. That caused a lot of just um, a lot of room for the devil to manipulate and um, just make it harder for me to hear a voice from the Lord. And so within that, like just that surrender brought so much freedom. Um, like, yeah, have there been hard times since then? Absolutely. I mean, that's life and we're not, we're promised um, tribulation on this earth, but there's almost like, even just my view of mistakes and mess ups, like it is truly, it's, it's not me. Like I don't have anything good to say to you tonight. Um, it's all him. And just a verse that kind of kept coming up in my mind. I didn't really know where, when I would share it or if I would, but this is kind of like my life verse. It's second um, Corinthians. Well, now I can't remember it. Like two seventeen or something. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's not right either. Five seventeen, me? No. Second Corinthians twelve nine, I believe. We'll look it up later and make sure. But it says, um, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. So more gladly while rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that verse, like it was a verse that I loved before this. I learned it in Bible drill. <laughs> when I was younger and it just took on a whole new meaning to me like my biggest that those five years of and of course like you probably couldn't tell that I was struggling hard when you saw me and during that five-year span and it wasn't all just miserable times but it was times of just wrestling with God and um, even in that pain the Lord has used it and 
it's no thanks to me, like, being obedient the first time around. Like, he has used just greatest mistakes, sin in my life, just for his glory. And, like, that's something only he can do. Um, and so just a greater perspective on that has been given, which is also freeing. Yeah, those seasons of wrestling with God, they're not fun ever, typically. But I think it's a cool thing to think that when God is wrestling with us, there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's a plan in that. And I'm thankful that God wrestles with it because, listen, if he's fighting with you, that means he's fighting for you. And so he's got something that he's trying to pull you into. He's got a love that he's trying to make known. He's got a grace that he's trying to make known. He's got a mercy, a forgiveness. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a path. He's got something that he's trying to make known to you. And he is not content with just letting you continue down the same path that you were on. So I'm thankful that God gets in our paths. Yeah. I'm thankful that God stands in our way of the passions or the plans or the purposes that we have selfishly laid out for ourselves and says, I'm not going to just let you continue down that path. I love you too much. I gave my son for your life. I've got a greater plan than you could ever imagine for yourself. And I'm going to fight with you down this path and do whatever I can to get you settled on my path and my plan and my purpose for your life. So I love that God fights with us and our selfishness, and our fleshly desires. So I want to give you an opportunity to, to speak this to them as well. So perhaps there's somebody out there that's kind of on the fence about all of this Jesus stuff. So what encouragement would you give to that person? What encouragement would you give to someone who's possibly on the fence of whether or not Jesus is worth it, or if he isn't? What would you say to that person? I'm not going to say that it's easy. I think that's a line that we like to use a lot just to like try and convince people like it's the best thing ever and like it is it truly is the best thing ever but I'm not gonna sit up here and be like this is the easiest thing I've ever done it's made the hard things easy um but there are still difficult things and I would just say like um they're truly and it's hard to like put into words which we don't have the vocabulary to properly explain just how magnificent he is but um even in life like the grace of jesus has just given a whole new perspective the things that we hold so dearly on this earth they just don't have as strong a hold on me anymore because um of the eternal perspective and i i just um he's worth it um it's a joy and a peace that you can't understand um, outside of him, like, yeah, we experience happiness and even joyful times, but this is a joy that is there even in the darkest of times, even when you are wrestling with the Lord and when, um, when um, just those tribulations come, like, it's still present. It doesn't leave because um, he is within us. And so I just encourage those that are like, I don't know if it's worth it. Like, I was kind of there at 14, asking those hard questions of like, is this even worth it? What is this, you know, is this pain? Like, is this misery worth it? And I can stand here or sit here right now and say it is. And just the surrender to that, like, after those five years, after just, I know, like, because a bunch of, like, my baptism also came after, like, just a re-surrender to the Lord as well, just after that, my freshman year of college, just, um, fully surrendering because I knew like through God wrestling with me it was a um yeah you're not on the right path you're not where I want you to be 
And so with that, I would just say, like, he's never going to stop fighting for you. Um, and there's no greater joy than just surrendering, and there's no greater place to be. So. so I know through your freshman year, you know, God taught you several different things and some that probably stick out more than others. And I don't want to get into all that tonight, at least not in this moment. And I'm sure if any of y'all would love to hear some more after we bring this to a close here in a little bit about what God taught Mallory in that season, she would love to sit you down and tell you even in greater detail the things that he taught her over this past season of her life. But, you know, I ask you to do this kind of short notice because I wasn't sure myself if this is the path that God would have us go on or not. So I literally texted her like on Monday. I was like, hey, I think God may be leading me down a down the road to, to doing a story session, would you want to do it again? And so she's like, hey, if the Lord leads you in it, then I'm down to do it as well. And so I text her back on Tuesday morning, I guess. I was like, hey, we're going to roll with it because I believe God, God has something for it. And so trusting and believing in that, I ask you to do that. You're here tonight. It's not an easy chair to sit in. It's not easy to sit here in front of your peers and be open and be vulnerable and talk about the personal things that God has done in your own life. But I know you're doing so because me and you both believe that God has a purpose behind these moments and behind the things that have been said tonight. So taking that into consideration, I know you love this church. I know you love this community. I know you love this fellowship. I know you love these souls that are here tonight. Moving forward from this moment, what is something that you would desire to see come out of this? What would you desire to see God do with your testimony here tonight? What would you desire to see God do in the life of an individual here tonight? What's something that you're going to be looking forward to seeing God doing through these moments? Knowing that has nothing to do with the significance of either one of us, but just him doing what he does and being a good God what are you so desperately desiring and praying to see come from your obedience here in these moments and sharing what you just shared? Really just realness. Um, I think there's a lot of just freedom and vulnerability, and that's hard to do. Like, I'm, I'm not good at really talking about myself. That's something I've also kind of had to learn to do through being vulnerable with people and speaking those hard things out. I mean, not to a room full of people like your deepest, darkest secrets, but those things that have that hold on you, they're always going to have that hold on you until you make, bring them to light. And sometimes that requires going to a close friend, going to a mentor and saying those things, releasing that um, conviction that the Lord's had on you just and just say it and just, um, just realness. I think that's, um, my prayer has been for unity for this group and for us just to be united in here and just go out and love people on campus and just be the people um, just more united and more connected. I don't know if that quite makes sense, but just within, I mean, we don't all know each other. Like this room looks a lot different than it did during the summer. There are a lot of faces that I don't really know, but in that, like we all are different and that's a beautiful thing, but I think we all have a lot more in common than we do differently. And that's in, we're here we want to know Jesus. We want to grow closer to him. And like that desire is shown by you just showing up. And so um, my desire is, a, is for us to take that and just run out of these doors with that. Um, not something to keep 
to ourselves, but something to go out and share. And if you don't have that gift yet, then my desire is for you to be real with that. Um, the devil will lie to you. Um, he'll use any sort of um, distraction even to pull you away from the calling that the Lord has on your life and um, the calling he wants you to step out into. And so I just encourage you, like, even if you feel the tiniest bit, like, speak it out, find a friend, um, say the hard things, because um, freedom comes from that, surrender comes from that, and being on the other side of that, I can truly say, like, yeah, it was hard to be vulnerable, but you find, like, when you make those things vocal, a lot more people are going through the same things that you are than you realize. Um, it is amazing to me, like, the first time I ever really vocal, made something vocal that I was truly struggling with, like, the person I was talking to was struggling with that exact same thing. And like the devil won't lie to you until you're alone. But um, he's wrong. <laughs> he's definitely, um, he'll use anything he can. So I just encourage you um, with that. Yeah, guys, don't, don't be isolated. Yeah. You know, the thing is we come together as a large body, as a community, we fill this room up week in and week out, yet how many people walk out of here with their heart still on an island? You know, carrying secret sins, carrying secret struggles, secret addictions, skeletons in your closet that you hope and pray nobody ever finds out about. Listen, our Father is a redeemer and restorer of souls. And there's no part of your life that is too broken that he cannot put back together. Promise you. And I know it can be difficult. I know taking that first step and admitting any one of those things, stepping out in faith while you're under conviction is a difficult thing to do. You know, it's not easy to have that first conversation. It's not easy to take that first step. There's not a single person in this room who has, in faith, given their life to Christ that would tell you it was an easy move to make. Every single one of us sat in a seat somewhere, clutched the back of a chair in front of us, fought everything that we could inside of us to, to keep from moving, to keep from going forward, to keep from having a conversation with somebody while our hearts were racing wildly inside of us. Our blood pressure was shooting out of the roof. The room felt like it was closing in. Like We've experienced those things because the devil will do all that he can to keep your soul trapped in darkness. And I'm just telling you guys, like, like the moment that, that you step towards Christ and you surrender all that over to him, no, it does not make your life instantly easier like Mallory was talking about. No, you're not always going to have material blessings or financial favor or any of those things. Um, but the joy and the peace and the freedom and the evaporation of your guilt and your shame and your embarrassment. Jesus takes all that and wipes it clean. His word tells us that when he takes our sin, he removes it as far as the east is away from the west. That's such a great distance, we can't even comprehend it. Like how far is the east from the west? Can you tell me? Because I can't explain that to y'all. Like, I don't know how far that is. That is an incomprehensible distance. And that's how far he was. When he looks at us, he no longer sees our sin, but the righteous covering of his son's blood. And that's an amazing, amazing life. That's life abundant that Jesus promises to give. So, you know, I, I can echo Mallory. If you're here tonight and you don't have that relationship, you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus, please don't, 
don't leave this place without having done so. If you have, but you've never followed through in believer's baptism, please don't fight off experiencing the joy and the blessing of being obedient in that act anymore. If you're here tonight and you've given your life to Jesus, you follow through in believer's baptism, but you are wrestling and battling and fighting off depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts because of a struggle that you're dealing with all on your own. Don't leave this place tonight continuing to carry that burden by yourself. Paul talks about with the Galatians that we are to bear one another's burdens. You know what makes your burden lighter? Having somebody else beside you to help you carry it. That's what the body of Christ exists to do. So don't leave this place tonight without any of those things still on you. When, when it's been made known to you here tonight that there are people willing and ready to meet you where you're at and to, uh, in an even greater way, insert Christ into where you're at so you can experience the fullness of life that he can bring into your life. Mallory, thank you so much tonight. Can we give her a round of applause? Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.